16. See to it, Paul says, that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What a dense passage that is, eh? What a, what a rich passage. And what is the problem that this passage is describing? Philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, elemental spirits, circumcision of the flesh and rituals, trespasses, our criminal record, the legal demands uh, that come on us from our sin that we're so trapped and dead within, the rulers and authorities. What an incredible list of problems that is, eh? Uh, and I have friends who've written PhDs just about one of those issues. I know people who've based entire ministries just on taking one verse from this rich passage and going, it's all about philosophy, it's all about empty deception, it's all about legal demands, it's all about the rulers and authorities. Where are we supposed to focus? Where are we supposed to be our kind of lens for reading this passage? Because they all seem like they can be different things. There can be different things that can assail us on all sides. Maybe as I read out that passage, there were certain ones that spoke to you more. Maybe you're feeling tangled up in trespasses, in those sins of stepping in the wrong place, of stumbling, of tripping, of repeated failure. Maybe you feel like uh, you're captive to some thought patterns or philosophy. Maybe you feel like you work with people who are captive to other ideas about God that hold them back. I'm from, a, I'm from Manchester, and my dad is a boxing referee. And as a kid, it was always the most exciting when he used to referee some of the really big boxing matches. And a lot of those used to happen at this place called the Nine X. And it became this sort of semi-mythical place for me where my dad, oh, he's got, he's got a match at the 9X. He's going to be, you know, refereeing one of the undercards. He never got to kind of go right to the top and do a world title fight. But he did some area title fights and some big things. And um, it, it was always really exciting. And as I got older, this place took on a new meaning for me. I really got into music when I was about 12, started playing guitar. And the 9X got renamed the Manchester Evening News Arena. And I went and saw so many of my favourite brands growing up there. It holds a kind of, uh, it's, it's a bit of a rite of passage to go to the Manchester Evening News Arena when you're from uh, in and around Manchester. And actually, 
all of those different problems that we read about, <clears throat> sometimes when tragedies and events like last week happen, they kind of all come together. And suddenly you realise that actually the things that afflict us as humans aren't this kind of kaleidoscope of different issues that we can pick and choose. But actually we're held by all of these. This verse, this passage says that we are, we are dead in our trespasses. And when you can think about the pain of someone just a little bit younger than me, growing up just as far from Manchester city centre as I did, who feels so broken, who is so deceived, who is captured so much by philosophy, by the rituals and rites of cutting of the flesh for an empty religion, who is so maybe bewitched, bewildered by rulers and authorities and powers and elemental spiritual forces in this world, that he would go and blow himself to a million pieces at a concert filled with children and young people. You think, actually, all of that starts to come together, doesn't it? All those problems come together. You understand that sense that humanity is, is kind of chained down. When Paul says that we're dead in our trespasses, we, we understand that. We're enslaved to death and decay. Death has its hold over the creation. And from death comes violence, comes war, comes heartache, comes this myth that somehow violence can be redemptive or can bring people assurance. Our sins hang above our head. This evocative image in this passage of, of like a legal charge, a handwritten charge of everything that we have done wrong. All of our mistakes all of our regrets, all of our rebellion, all of our brokenness, the way that we have turned away from God, the way that we have turned against each other, hanging above our head. Under the rule of the prince of this world, of sin, of darkness, of the father of lies. How do we get out? Well, actually, the, the irony is in this passage is most people answer the question of how we get out of that brokenness, of that sinfulness, of that deadness through philosophy, through loving knowledge and trying to find some esoteric way of escaping from everything that's around us by disappearing into your own headspace. People try and get out through empty deceit, through following other paths and other ways, through following other prophets and ideas and, and thinking that somehow within them is actually real truth and real fulfilment and real satisfaction. Some of us try and get out by religious rituals that somehow if we can scar the body, we can save the soul. People are desperately, desperately seeking assurance. We lie about God's nature and our actions to try and find answers to the problems that we are so chained up within. And as a Christian, I, I stand up and as often as I can, I try and share that actually Jesus is the answer to this. Jesus is the one in whom we find assurance. Jesus is the one in whom we fully understand 
the nature of God as he both leads us back to the Father and is the best image of the unseen, invisible God that we have. And yet, how do people respond? When you share Jesus, how do people respond? That's okay for you. That's normally, you know, I give it the hard sell. I'm from the Pentecostal church originally, so I know how to do a good gospel message. And I, I, I give it the whole thing, and it's like, right, okay, I'm ready for the sea of hands. I'm ready for the response. And how do people respond when I share Jesus in the barbershop, in the youth group, with my friends, with people that I gather together? Oh, that's okay for you. Yeah, Jesus is a good guy. Oh, I, I follow this other way. Oh, it's okay to follow another religion. Isn't there truth? in all these things? Don't we, don't we share a common ancestor? Don't we share a common ground? Aren't they just different paths? How can we ever fully know? Surely different people are just seeing different aspects of God. That's what people around us believe. That's what lots of Christians teach. Yet this passage says very, very strongly, the fullness of the deity is contained within Jesus if you have in any way created a God that does not look Christ-like, it is not a God. The fullness of God and who he is is contained within the person of Jesus. And actually, it's in Jesus that we find fullness. Same word, fullness of God and our fullness, our satisfaction, our wholeness is found in Jesus. It's found in drawing on him. It's found in rooting ourselves in him. Only Jesus. Everything else is just a shadow of him. He's greater than any idea contained within philosophy. He isn't an empty trick. He is the full real deal. He isn't contained within human traditions and human hands. He isn't something that's subject to the kind of the basic, elemental, fundamental ideas we could have in this world. He isn't something that's contained within religious rituals. He is the fullness of deity. And actually, those three problems we spoke about, enslaved to death and decay, sins hung like a legal charge above our heads, under the rule of darkness. In Jesus, we find a resurrection life. We find the hope of life and birth. We find our charges, every single legal charge against us, every mistake, every brokenness, every crime, every bit of rebellion nailed to his cross. And actually in Jesus we find the dominion of darkness, the forces that would drive humanity to such brokenness and hurt and violence, disarmed, mocked, ridiculed, open to shame as this passage says, as Jesus triumphs over them and says, I am the way to freedom, I've come to rescue you. One of my friends who I've been uh, spending time with recently grew up in a home full of uh, brothers and sisters from a refugee background, fled a war-torn country, came here, was born and bred in London, and half his family have turned to 
a radical form of Islam. And half of his family are some of the biggest drug dealers and violent people in our area where we live. And actually, he got himself in all sorts of trouble. Ended up uh, in and out of prison. You name it, he has done it. He's been violent. He's been aggressive. He has wasted his body in drugs and alcohol and lust and abuse. And somehow, in the midst of all that brokenness, just nine months ago, Jesus came and broke into his heart and into his life. And the transformation has just been astonishing. Actually, for all of his trying to chase after money and success, for all of his trying to violently impose himself on the life and circumstances he is placed within, he has found a fullness of joy and life in Jesus. I had the pleasure of baptizing him last month. Another friend of mine grew up to be an adult in uh, a country in the Middle East. He was nominally a part of a religion, yet he was filled with depression, with self-loathing, with anger. And every day he had to deal with this broken marriage to a woman that he treated abysmally. One day he had enough took a massive drug overdose and woke up in the back of an ambulance having been told that he should have died going, I've just had a vision of Jesus. Who is he? It took him two years to find another Christian to actually talk to about who Jesus was. It was longer than that before he even got to lay hold of a Bible for the first time. And his life has been transformed. He's had to flee to this country. He's found everything that the world would desire to be stripped away from him. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his status. He's lost his nationality. He's currently been separated from his wife and his young son. He gets death threats on the phone. He's insecure. He has no status. He finds it hard to find work. And yet he is so happy. Because he's found Jesus. He's found the fullness. He's found assurance. He's found life and redemption and freedom. A few months ago, I was in a prayer meeting with some of my staff team up in Mill Hill, up in our sleepy little part of North London. And we prayed for open doors to share the gospel. And three hours later, my wife was walking into a block of flats to meet someone. And there was a random door open with a woman, desperate, alone, going, I really need help. What sort of help do you need? I don't know. I have no friends. Every day, all I do is just go to the shop, buy as much alcohol as I can afford, go back to my house and drink it on my own. I've lost all touch with my family, with my children, with my grandchildren, with my friends, and I'm desperate and I don't know where to turn. I've been given this Bible by the Jehovah's Witnesses, but I don't understand it. I try and talk to my friends of different faiths and I I, I try and call out and nothing seems to happen. And we were able to just share Jesus with that woman. And her life's been transformed. Her relationships with her family have been restored. She's found freedom. She's stepped away from guilt. She's stepped above her addictions. Yeah, it's, it's a slow journey. There's times where she makes slips. Well, she's gone weeks and weeks without drinking at points. 
Because Jesus has come into her life and has rescued her from the death, has rescued her from the weight of her sins, the charges of her sins, has rescued her from the evil forces and powers that would want to break the image of God that is placed within her. This young girl that we met when we were first going out onto the streets, just giving out hot chocolates to young people on one of our local estates. When we first met her, she used to walk up behind uh, our youth leaders and punch them in the face as hard as she could. Really hard background. Lost her mum to a terrible illness at a young age. Incredibly fractured family. Very broken. Very uh, aggressive. In and out of school. Not doing well in her exams. Not very liked by many of her friends. Just full of brokenness full of anger at the world, full of self-loathing of herself. And our, one of our youth leaders just couldn't stand her. Heart would sink when she started walking up to the van. We're, like, we're trying to share Jesus. We're trying to love these young people in this estate. And there's this one girl who keeps coming, who just keeps wrecking it all. And she just prayed, God, would you help me to love her? God, would you help me to see her how you see her? A year on from there, this girl had the pleasure of baptizing a month ago. Her life has been transformed. She did better in her end of school uh, exams than she ever dreamed she could. We gave her a job and an opportunity. We told her she was worth something. We've seen her totally change her perspective. We've seen her fix relationships in her family. We've seen her step away from all of her anger and lose it. Just cast it all away. This broken young girl, so crushed and despised by life and its circumstances, by the world around her, from a forgotten little battered estate in North London. Just last week, she... uh, ran a 10k fun run that she initiated herself as a young person and raised nearly 700 pounds for cancer research. Just all off her own back organizing it. And the difference in her life is Jesus. She discovered worshiping Jesus. She started to sing love songs to Jesus. She started to put on Christian music and just somehow she met with Jesus in a profound way. The fullness of God everything that is good, everything that is the opposite of some angry, broken, frustrated young man carrying a bomb into a crowd full of kids is contained within Jesus. And even better than that, he actually leads us through our brokenness and brings us to freedom in life. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know if you've just wandered in off the street. You thought you heard my dulcet tones and thought, wow, where's that accent from? I want to try and figure out. I don't know. I don't know if you're despairing at the hate and the brokenness in the world. I don't know if you've grasped, grasped the hold of Jesus, yet you just have conversations all the time where you feel like, Oh yeah, but this path is right, and this is okay, and that, that's all right. We need to build our lives, build everything that we do, center our heart, 
center our vision, center our careers, center our families on Jesus, on who he is, on his love. So we're going to stand and sing together. We're going to sing a song. Uh, it's a fairly new song. Some of you might know it, some of you might not. And it just has this bit in it that is just, I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. And I just want us to commit in this space today. I just want us to commit to finding our fullness in him in whom the fullness of deity dwells. Because I reckon if the one, two, three, the sort of 14 or so of us here did that, I think we'd probably have even less things like last week that happened. Because Jesus' love is a love that can change the world and bring hope and grace and freedom. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray.